my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You're listening to Math & Magic, a production of iHeartRadio. I think it comes down to truth. No matter what we're collectively marketing and or, you know, the dirty word it's selling, it has to be based in truth. Because even if you pull the wool over someone's eyes once, it's not going to resonate the second time. I'm Bob Pittman. Today is a special episode of Math & Magic, and it might sound a little different. Not only because our guest is one of the biggest rock stars on the planet, but because we recorded live on stage at the Possible Conference at the Fountain Blue in Miami. And I hope you enjoy my conversation exploring math and magic with John Bon Jovi. Today we have a guest who is a magician in many obvious ways which we'll explore today, but the math's pretty good too. He's sold 150 million albums worldwide. He's played 2,800 concerts in 50 countries for 35 million fans. He had three top-ranking tours in six years, matching a record held by only the Rolling Stones. He is also a successful business person. He and his son started the wildly successful Hampton Water Wine Company. He's a generous and impactful philanthropist. He's an actor. He has strong political convictions, which make their way into his music. And he's a well-known family man. Great marriage and role model for how to do it the right way. But what's also interesting is he started his ride at about the same time we started MTV. So we were sort of locked through this thing. And you know, when people start, especially in the music business, you never know who's gonna be there 30 years from now, and very few are. So 
we got the guy who is here, John Bon Jovi. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Good morning. We got a lot to talk about, but first I want to do you in 60 seconds. What we're going to do is we're going to do lightning round style, give you a couple of choices. I should lay one. down, right? Like You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Prefer cats or dogs? Dogs. Early rise or night owl? Morning guy. City or country? City. Winter or summer? Summer. Salty or sweet? Torn. <laughs> Beach or mountains? Beach. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Text or call? Hmm, depends on who it is. <laughs> <laughs> Garden State or Madison Square Garden? Garden State. Uh, there we go. Here's the Jersey folks. Uh, it's about to get harder. All-time favorite musical artist? The Beatles. Childhood hero? Bruce had a lot to do with my being here today. There we go. Technology you can't live without? My teenage kids. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite country to visit? Ireland. Final one. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Me. <laughs> and it happens, only in America. So, let's jump in. You are one of the best and most enduring brands in music. How do you stay connected with this audience for 40 years? Well, nothing would have happened if you didn't have a song. So the brand had to be built on a solid foundation, which was the song. And being true to who and what I was in, in order for the collective we to then be true to who we were. And so that is the basis of all of it. Not to chase fads and fashions, what's also really important to me. Fads and fashions come and go, and the truth will always prevail. Were you ever tempted with any of the fads or fashions? Not really. To be, I don't think. I don't. Well, I don't think so. I may have been a, a byproduct of the clothes you wore in the '80s or the haircut you had, in the, but that's who and what you were in real time. Right. And and if the next fad in fashion came along, i.e., in our business, boy bands and then grunge music and then rap. You know, we were there at the advent of rap. And to start doing duets would, would not have seemed honest. You know, to, to suddenly be with a boy band and or none of that would have rang true. So I was smart enough to know not to get a flannel shirt when Seattle became popular. It was just stay the course. Let's talk about intergenerational hits. And these are marketers here. So they're looking for things that are enduring. My friend's daughter is 22. She was in a college bar. Living on a Prayer comes on, the kids all start dancing on the tables. They weren't even born when the song came out. What is it about your music that connects with such a young generation, even though it was made originally for a completely different generation? Again, I think it comes down to truth. If no matter what we're collectively marketing and or you know, the dirty word selling, it has to be based in truth, because even if you pull the wool over someone's eyes once, it's not going to resonate the second time. So when we wrote a song, if I was doing it from a place of honesty, that song resonated with me, and therefore I was confident it would probably resonate with that audience. Songs like Living on a Prayer, when we wrote them, to be bluntly honest, I didn't realize what we had, but I felt that the character-driven storyline was legit. And in doing so, you know, obviously that's one of the many that has stood the test of time. It's as simple as that because it's everybody's story. So when you create a new song, mm. 
How often do you know that you've got something special? Absolutely do not. I, as you know, as we talk behind the stage, I got in around 2.30 this morning and have been recording some stuff in Los Angeles for next year. And, uh, and I left there thinking, I've got it. I'm a genius. But I wake up this morning and go, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just <laughs> did it again. You know, you really, you don't know. There's so many times that I've thought I had it and I don't. And, and so many times that I was surprised. So by the way, for us old people, let me just throw something out. As you've gotten older, have you got more questions? When you were younger, did you think this is gonna be a hit? Or is this something that as you age, you go, who knows? There's a certain confidence you have when you're a young kid. I was much more fearless and it was probably naivete. Now I don't live in fear, but um, I don't pay attention like I used to. There was a, a story I was talking about yesterday and it was during the era of Slippery When Wet. And, and I remember this really well, reading a, a music publication and George Harrison was alive and well and was asked about the success of the band. And he said, I don't know who they are. And I was initially offended. And I was saying to the guy yesterday that I was talking to, he wasn't saying something offensive about the band. It was just not where he was at in his life then. So as we were talking about young, young, young artists yesterday that coming out of TikTok, you know, the guys with one new song. I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't know them. And it wasn't meant to be at all offensive. It was that I'm not paying attention to that. All I can do is be on my journey and write who I am and what I want to talk about and, and not to look around based on that. It has to be based in truth. So let's take that one step further. Mm. You are almost like a rock star by day, family man by night. Everyone who knows you comments that's sort of your reputation. I don't think you've ever fallen victim to the trappings of being a rock star. You stay in rooms, not suites. There are no trails of limos. There's no tons of security, no visible hanger-ons. And you have one of the most successful celebrity marriages. How does that happen? There have to be some lessons in that for the group of everybody here who probably has opportunities to get seduced by power and privilege. So did I. Look, I'm no saint. I, I'm, I'm the lead singer in a very successful rock band. We've had a lot of wonderful memories, but they were what they were. And, you know, on the family side of things, that's my rock. And my wife and I went to high school together, and I know that we grew together. That was important. You know, we grew up together. So she saw every facet of this, and then, you know, we grew together. That's imperative here. And then, you know, the kids, I, I hope they see that work ethic. So, again... If you can bestow on your kids anything is if they can see by example what you've done, maybe they'll take the good of it and disregard some of the bad. I, I'm no saint. It's just it's a work in progress. You grew up, obviously, a product of the 70s and early 80s. How did your family life influence you and what are those sort of lessons that you learned there that show up as you today? In the time that I was born in 1962, President Kennedy was in office. My parents fully bought into the whole Camelot. You know, we can go to the moon. You can be anything you want. We we're going to buy a house in middle class New Jersey. I was blessed with that. I was born at the right time in the right place looking a certain way. And so there weren't a lot of, you know, obstacles in the way of dreaming. I, and I know the difference. And I know the difference, especially now. So I was lucky. And then hard work and luck makes for success, you know, but... A lot of it had to do with the time, the place, the color of my skin, the economic 
advantages of, you know, two parents that worked. And, uh, and that work ethic was instilled in all of us. God, I hope my kids say something like that about me at a certain point. Are there any words from your parents that echo in your head now and then that advice they gave you or comments they made? Other than my mother was smart enough to say the band's name should be Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good advice. Um, you know, even then I knew that if I was going to fail or succeed, it was going to be, you know, my responsibility. So that was actually great advice that my folks were supportive enough. And when the drinking age in New Jersey was 18 and you could sneak into a bar at 16, you could cut your teeth, but you didn't have responsibility yet. You didn't have to worry about a paycheck. You know, you lived under your folks roof at 16. At least I did. All they told us was that if you're going to be in a bar, at least we know where you are. And so if you're going to focus on something, keep focusing on it. I didn't go to college, you know, but I had a record deal by the time I was 21. It's the same record deal with the same company, and I'm 61. And that's pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. Mm. Stability in the music business, not a lot of it. You also, uh, we were talking a little bit about backstage. We're parents. We all have these kids coming into their own. Uh, Great temptation to tell your kids what they should do. Uh, Did you give your parents a vote? You know, in retrospect, but I don't want to hear that, Bob. I want to hear that I'm right and my kids should listen to me. (laughs) This is bullshit. Because I've come to that phase and stage in my children's lives where they don't listen to me any longer. And I'm, I'm just dad. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And you're like, oh, God. But, you know, it's a continual learning and the process of learning and, and, and being a parent. It's ever evolving. Part of being a family man. You're actually in business with your son. Yeah. And uh, in this great, successful wine yeah. company, Hampton Water. Hampton Water. How did that dynamic come about? Uh, my son, Jesse, was a walk-on football player at Notre Dame, and his roommate was a hockey player. And I often drank rosé wine, uh, and for many, many years, under the guise of not telling my kids that I was drinking as much, I'd say, Daddy wants some pink juice. And one night, the kid came home, and he said, I've got an idea. It's not pink juice anymore. It's Hampton water. And, you know, and I went, wow, I love that. And then we'd start to jokingly saying we should have a wine knowing nothing about the wine business. And I said, if you go back to school, use that business degree, come back with a PowerPoint, if it makes any sense, I know where to go with it. He did. Six years later, we're the number five rosé in the world. And he's, he's really on the verge of something big, which is fabulous. One thing we did from day two was we really were confident that we weren't going to have a celebrity brand, but we were going to have a family business. And so, you know, I'm Santa Claus. I'm the guy that shows up for the photo op. He's the one that does all the hard work. But we've got a full staff. We're in all 50 states. We're in 50-plus countries. And it's a family business. It's going great. So let me get an entrepreneur's lesson in here. Yeah. If you had known everything you know now about the wine business, would you have started it then? Yeah, I like this. I I find it sexier than selling, you know... um, Socks, you know, I get the samples. I like taking the samples home at night. So, uh, you know, we're, we're having fun with it. More importantly, I'm absolutely pay for the privilege of being in business with one of my children who make me proud every day. More on math and magic right after this quick break. 
My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Welcome back to Math & Magic. Let's hear more from my conversation with John Bon Jovi. Soul Kitchen. You and your wife started it. It served over 160,000 meals, I think's the number. You've used your power and connections to help others. That's a hallmark. I think you've done it on a very small scale, and then you're doing it on a much larger scale, too. Where did that strong commitment to help others come from? That, that was probably instilled in me um, in my years of travel. The seeds were probably planted by my parents, but they weren't necessarily philanthropic or, or, or certainly weren't political. In my world travels, I'd seen a lot of unfair inequality, but on the streets of Philadelphia, um, I was the co-owner of an arena football team with a, a buddy of mine named Craig Spencer, whose daughter's here today. And I said, we can win in the market if we think of this differently than the big four, baseball, basketball, football, hockey. And that was to be more philanthropic than anyone. One night I was looking out of the window of the hotel and I saw a man sleeping on a grate in the dead of winter. And I called a buddy of mine who was born and raised in Philly. And I said, if you could find me somebody in the homeless area, I'd like to talk about housing. And he found me the Michael Jordan of the issue. 
a, a sister of mercy by the name of Mary Scullion. So Sister Mary and I meet, and she says, maybe you guys can save up enough money to refurbish a row home. And I said, how much is it to do a block? And I said, I'm not being a wise ass, but if we can do a block, we could do a neighborhood. If we could do a neighborhood, we can impact the city. She said, I like you. And one thing led to another. We've built a thousand units of affordable housing. We have four, soon to be five, sole kitchen restaurants. The restaurant is an incredibly unique model. It didn't exist anywhere. Dorothea dreamt it up. It's a pay it forward model. If any of you were to come to it, there's no prices on the menu. It's a farm to table environment. It looks like a beautiful bistro, but you would never know that someone next to you is actually in need. And get out of your mind's eye that it's a soup kitchen because it's not. Those amongst us that are making ends meet barely, you know the old adage, two paychecks away. In the economic downturn, this was really prevalent. Again, in COVID, people would come to our restaurant. They are greeted by a what looks like a hostess, but really a social worker. That social worker discusses the concept. And if you are willing, you participate. And that means you're busing a table, you're working in the garden, you're doing something that is earning that meal, empowering somebody, having them give the opportunity to earn that meal makes someone feel so much better than a hand out. It is a hand up. And so we created this model in the restaurant. Those who want to affect change directly, if you and I go in there and you put down $50, it pays for your meal and the meal of that guy and his wife or daughter are sitting next to you. That's directly affecting change. And that guy's volunteering. Or if you don't volunteer, you sort of feel like you're missing out on the party. So we started the first one in a 33-seat restaurant. It served over 100,000 meals. Our second one was after Superstorm Sandy in New Jersey. We have an all-service providing in there, which was integral to this too, because people who are in need of a meal, they need opportunities for service providing, whether it's work credentials or job training, childcare, dental doctors. We have access to all of that in our second location. Then in a genius move, we realized that kids on college campuses who are struggling with food insecurity. So we went to Rutgers University. And to be honest with you, the chancellor didn't realize her own food pantry was what and where it was until Mr. Bon Jovi showed up. And she's walking through the halls of Rutgers and sees that food pantry and goes, we can do better. And we said, we'd like to put a soul kitchen on campus. The phone rang off the hook from UCLA to Georgia, to universities across the nation wanting to open soul kitchens and then COVID hit. It set us back, but Rutgers was the first one to stand up and say, we want to do this. And now it's, it's doing very well there and at a place called Jersey City University. And now we're going to expand on the college model. Because much to many people's surprise, kids on college campuses have food insecurity. That's great. Great. Yeah. We, we can't leave today without the hot topic. AI and music. I want AI to do my interviews, <laughs> to travel for me. Yesterday was my first opportunity to see that mashup with The Weeknd, and it scared the hell out of me. What I'm hoping, though, is that, again, the truth prevails. And so, you know, a real song written by the real guy 
I hope is always going to win that fight. So I guess I'm going to offer the same adage I did when I came in. Don't fall for fads and fashions. And let's be aware that that one's scary. You know, AI really is, it can be used for good and it can be used for bad. And we should all be very aware of it. We are probably all of us in the advertising business, probably overrepresented in New York, Silicon Valley, LA. You're out on tour. You really see the country. What advice would you have for everybody here in terms of trying to talk about everybody in America, not just the narrow world we live in? The coasts, as we call it, the flyover. Yeah, there's 50 states with 50 diverse opinions of who and what we are as a nation, but that's really what was supposed to have made the nation great, which was that we, the people, and you know, everybody has their values and they should be spoken to without just the use of, of social media. You know, that connectivity is what's missing today. And, you know, brands, to me, Bon Jovi is Levi's. We are Cadillac, we are Coca-Cola. We're that thing that's been there forever. And those people between the two sides are that, right? And those values are legit and should be heard. So we always end the episodes of Math & Magic with shout outs to the greats. For you, because of who you are, who on the business side of the music business would you give a shout out to? First name, I guess, that comes to mind is an old friend named Jimmy Iovine. Jimmy, you know, of course, was a great record producer, saw that there was a a change in his own life and making the records that he knew how to make. It was like, what am I going to do next? So he was smart enough to become an owner and create Interscope with Ted Field and then go on to be in Beats when Interscope had run its course. So he really created something magical. If I think about my football ties, you'd think about Jerry Jones. And, you know, he just took another football team and said, no, this is America's team. And then he created the Dallas Cowboys. So there's ways to take something that is considered to just be bedrock and make magic out of it because, you know, of what it stood for. So those would be guys, you know, from different walks of my life that I feel that I'd give the quickest shout out. Let's go on the other side. Let's go on the magic side, creative side, producer, artist. Who would you give a shout out to? I don't know. I worked with a guy yesterday named Ryan Tedder from a band called One Republic. I find that he's the a next generation kind of whiz kid and very, very smart, both you know, playing the instrument as well as talking about the business of music. I used to pride myself on knowing many of the aspects of the business of music. You know, I, I, I'm one of those fortunate guys. I own my publishing. That's 17 albums of, you know, that's a lot of records. For you who don't know that, that's like Nirvana. Yeah, so it's, I knew all those things when I was a kid. It was, we created Bon Jovi Management. I didn't have a manager. The commission stayed in-house. So we were smart enough that I knew how to do all that. But I see the next generation, that's what they do. And and I'm excited to talk to those kind of young guys about it. John, thanks for coming. Thank Thank you, Bob. Thank you for having me. Here are a few things I picked up from my conversation with John Bon Jovi. One, stay true to who you are. Fads and fashion come and go. For John, staying true to himself instead of chasing the hottest new trend in music has been the key to his longevity. Two, luck is no match for discipline. John is the first to admit that much of his success has to do with being born at the right place, the right time. 
However, he wouldn't have achieved his level of success without the strong work ethic his parents instilled in him. Three, family and business can be a great mix. When John's son came up with the idea of the successful wine brand, Hampton Water, John knew he didn't want it to be just another short-lived celebrity brand. Instead, he built it together with his son, and it's a true family business with staying power. I'm Bob Pittman. Thanks for listening. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to Math & Magic, a production of iHeartRadio. The show is hosted by Bob Pittman. Special thanks to Sidney Rosenblum for booking and wrangling our wonderful talent, which is no small feat. Our editor, Emily Marinoff. Our engineers, Jessica Kreinchich and Bahid Frazier. Our executive producers, Nikki Etor and Ali Perry. And of course, Gail, Raul, Eric, Angel, Noel, and everyone who helped bring this show to your ears. Until next time. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.